I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, KFC. So I'm recapping Toronto Raptors 130 to 114 win over the Atlanta Hawks. And I got to say, the Hawks... Not a very serious team, let's be real. Uh, the fact that they actually took the Raptors down on the wire in their last two meetings uh, is already pretty surprising. The Hawks are just not built to win games. Um, and today they came in, did not put up a fight whatsoever. Um, you know, basically, the Hawks are a team that's sort of designed to get Trey Young numbers. It's like, um, um, it's not necessarily the same as uh, the Houston Rockets do with James Harden, but it's it's almost to that level. Uh, you know, Trey controls most possessions, and you know, the Raptors actually played good defense against Trey this time. Last time, obviously, on Martin Luther King Day, which was last week, um, the Raptors allowed Trey on to score forty-two points and have fifteen assists. It was definitely a big game for him, and Trey just had an amazing game. You know, um, it was coming off an amazing game, another forty-point performance. Um, but today, I mean, yeah, not the same, man. Only, only one three pointer made, which is huge. Obviously you want to run him off the three point line. He gets to the free throw line a fair share. Uh, the Raptors made him play inside the arc, but I mean, yeah, I don't know if you, if Trae Young can finish tough twos over defenders, uh, floaters, if you can draw contact and get some sympathy calls from the referee, then, then good on him. Congratulations to him. But like, you know, uh, the Raptors limited him to one three pointer make. And four seven turnovers out of him. That's pretty much enough to to beat Trey Young. Um, and if you beat Trey Young, then you beat the Hawks. And yeah, this is a game where you know it was impressive that the Raptors got this win, given how little effort they put into it. Like I'm not saying the Raptors like didn't come to show up for work. It's just one of those days where they knew exactly how much it would take to beat the Hawks, and they did just that. They did they did the bare amount to to beat them, and even still, they led by double digits for. A lot of the game, uh, second half, they, you know, they really blew it open in that third quarter there. Um, you know, I thought Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, really chipped in with some threes in that stretch. Um, and, yeah, the Raptors just, you know, I don't know, they cruised. They really did cruise. Like, the Hawks didn't put up much of a resistance. Like, um, it was cool that John Collins had 28 points and 12 rebounds, but in, in 11 of 14 shooting. Uh, but he was also a minus 31. Like, I don't know how you have 28 points on 11-14 and still be a minus 31. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was also a night where the Hawks just didn't make their threes. Like, they shot 12 of 47 from three, which is not much better or much much worse than the Raptors, who shot 13 of 43. To be honest, it's not a game with a lot of, sh- uh, you know, shot making. But the Raptors were able to get to the hole and consistently finish there. Again, the Hawks just not providing much resistance uh, on the inside and, uh, you know, just one of those nights, you know, like the, the Hawks, they, they did get open looks. They did. Um, you know, Kevin Herter got a lot of open threes. It almost seemed like the Raptors were ignoring him, even though Herter's job in the NBA is to be a shooter. Um, you know, they just left him open time and after time again. Maybe it affected his psyche or whatever, but he was two of nine from three. Um, you know, last 10 games coming into this one, 
uh, Herder was shooting 44% from three. So it's, it's a little strange that he shot 40, two of nine. But regardless, it was just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a night where the Hawks were the Hawks and the Raptors were the Raptors. And the Raptors, you know, are back to uh, beating up on under 500 teams. Like, you know, um, the stretch here in the schedule has been easier. The Raptors um, have capitalized accordingly by winning eight straight. And really, if you go back and look at some of the games they've lost, like the last game they lost was that Spurs game, which they had a double-digit lead and they gave that up. And before that, they lost that Portland game, which they had a double-digit lead and they gave up. Uh, and even that game against Indiana before that, like all these games were very, very winnable. And if you, if, if you honestly, I mean, if you just that was also a flip of the coin type of results. And if you have even one or two more of those go your way, the Raptors could be looking at a double digit win streak. And and really, you know, the Raptors are a good enough team and a consistent enough team where they should be able to put together a double digit win streak. And I think they have a very good chance of it now. Finally, they've gone to eight now. Um, they have a stretch coming up on the weekend where they play three games in four nights, which is never ideal, and a couple of those on the road. But, I mean, look at the opposition. They're playing Cleveland. They're playing Detroit. They're playing, um, you know, Chicago. And realistically, you know, they should win all those games. They should win all those games. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, count the eggs before the hatch and things like that. But, damn, like, you know, those are not very difficult opponents. And for the Raptors, you know, they are now – um, in the driver's seat for the for the two seat heading into the All Star break, which you know whatever, watching the standings in the All Star break is kind of pointless. But having said that, the two seat is very important this season. Obviously, Milwaukee's going to run away with that number one seed. They just won again. Milwaukee is now um, the Milwaukee Bucks are forty one and six. <laughs> it's, it's it's incredible. They're on a nine game win streak. No one's talking about them. Who cares? But, um, yeah, the Raptors are now uh, firmly a game ahead of the Miami Heat, uh, who are in third place. Um, Boston is uh, a game and a half back of Toronto in four. Uh, the Boston Celtics just beat the Heat, so thank you to the Celtics for doing that. Although, realistically, both those teams are, you know, there was no great result there. But still, um, the Raptors now just have to win two of the last three games here uh, remaining on the schedule to uh, before the All-Star game, uh, or at least sorry, before Monday of next week to uh, secure... You know, uh, Nick Nurse and his staff's opportunity to go to the All-Star game and coach the team. And, you know, whatever. It's You could argue it's a situation where maybe you would rather have a vacation instead um, because there it is the one big break in the NBA schedule. Um, but at the same time, you know, going to the All-Star game is an amazing uh, accomplishment. It's a good celebration. And honestly, Nick Nurse is, should be a top three at worst candidate for coach of the year if not the outright favorite for coach of the year given the circumstances that he's coached with and um yeah i mean you know it'd be a great honor for him he deserves it his staff deserves it they've done a really good job with it so um it's looking good on that front but again the raptors still need to get two more wins out of the stretch to do so in terms of this game um i thought the start of the game uh, and the guy that made the biggest impact to me was oj Anobi, who if you look at the box score, you're talking about, oh, man, another four-point game from OG. Like, why is he not imposing himself offensively? I get that. But, really, that's not his role. His role on the team is not to necessarily take over. He's not Pascal. He's not Fred. He's not Kyle. Not even Serge. Um, he's OG. He's the third option. On a very, very good day, he's the third option. But, realistically, he's, he's option four and most times option five. He rarely has the ball nowadays. Um you know, and you know, outside of a couple of post ups that the Raptors got him early in the game, uh, he wasn't really impacting the game offensively like that. But defensively, I thought it really just set a good tone for the Raptors because you look at the Hawks only shooting twenty five percent for three. Well, part of that is because Ogianobi in the first eight minutes of the game blocked three three pointers. 
Um, two of those one-on-one settings, I think uh, Trey Young tried to one-on-one him and then Cam Reddish and stuff like that. And, you know, OG's very quick. He's very long. He moves his feet really well for a guy who is uh, a small forward and really shaped like a, a, a power forward in the modern NBA. Um, OG moves his feet exceptionally well, and he had great timing. He blocked those three shots early on. Um, he had some nice assists. Uh, you know, um, you know, OG got into the post, uh, f- saw a double team against the mismatch, and then shoveled it down low to Marcus All for a big to big uh, pass down low. Always do enjoy those. Feels like nowadays without actual power forwards and actual centers playing, you don't really see the big to big kind of action that used to be so prevalent when you looked at teams like the Grizzlies between Mark and, and Zach Randolph or. Um, you know, even earlier with some of the, the Kings teams, um, you know, Laker teams, you know, like Lamar, Odom, and, and the Pau Gasol, those two guys, great passers playing off each other and stuff like that. You just don't see a lot of big-to-big passing anymore. Anyway, so OG had a nice pass to, to Mark. And I thought OG just played really good team basketball in the general scheme of what the Raptors needed out of him. Now, yeah, he missed – he only made one shot and shot 0 of 2 from 3 uh, and only had four po- points. But I thought OG really set the tone early for the Raptors. The Raptors hopped out to a good start. Uh, won the first quarter, thirty-three to twenty-three. Uh, first off, I thought Nick Nurse did a really good job of staggering his rotation, where uh, Fred VanVleet, one of Fred VanVleet or Kyle Lowry was always on the floor to um, run the point. They they got subbed for each other at least two times, maybe three. So you you know you always had that one point guard on the floor. Um, you know, I thought in the second quarter there, Terrence Davis gave them a little boost, just sort of with his uh, energy and stuff. Just you know. Uh, hustling for putbacks, you know, uh, making good cuts, getting to the basket. Uh, you know, he hit a three in the second half as well and it got to the free throw line. And he had a nice game, 15 points, six rebounds for the rookie in 23 minutes off the bench. It's, it's always nice to get that contribution from Terrence. It, you know it's definitely in him. He doesn't do it all the time. But when he's engaged, when he's involved, when he's active, uh, and when he plays with that sort of joy that he seems to sort of exude, uh, Terrence can really impact the game, especially in a game like the Hawks, where again, if you if you played hard and went to the rim, you, you were getting buckets. Um, yeah, and I, and I thought just you know Kyle and Fred just did a really good job running the team, trading it off. You know, Fred's style of running the team is a little bit more oriented towards scoring. Uh, you know, he'll call his own number a little bit more. He had a really impressive shot where you know this is in the first quarter, but late shot clock situation. Fred Elite one on one crosses up, I think reddish, and pulls up from the mid range, switches the shot. Very nice to see buzzer Peter as well. Um, and you know, it was just in general, Fred, you know, just did a good job of running the team, like, uh, him getting out in transition. It feels like if Fred can beat his man to the spot and then put his body into the defender to sort of freeze him, he's a much better finisher as compared to when the defense beats him to the spot and he has to jump into the defender. I mean, he's just, just, that's just simply how it is for most people, but obviously with Fred, he's a little bit smaller. And so it does really impact whether or not he's finishing at the basket. Sometimes he definitely does not, uh necessarily have the odds in his favor but again bet on yourself uh, but I thought Fred did a really good job of just um, you know shot making especially in the third quarter there hitting a couple of threes to really help the Raptors um, sort of assert their dominance over the Hawks uh, in, th- in terms of Kyle he's definitely more of a facilitator he's more of a distributor um, and, and really honestly the story of the game really should just be about Kyle Lowry maybe I'm bearing the lead a little bit but Kyle Lowry with his 11 assists tonight officially passed Jose Calderon um, for the franchise leading uh, record in assists, uh, Kyle Lowry. You know, it, it's it's funny to think about it in terms of like, of course, Kyle Lowry has a franchise leading assists. You know, he's one of the you know, greatest Raptors of all time, arguably the greatest Raptors of all time in my book. He is in terms of just how much he impacted winning. 
Um, and you think, of course, he would have the franchise leading assist. But if you look at Kyle, like, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion at any point. The story with Kyle is really just that, you know, um, he put his heart into it. And he had a lot of lucky breaks go his way in terms of the sequencing of everything, how it happened. And and, and because of all that, because of all the heart that he put into it, um, and because of the drive he had to win games, um, he really, really established himself as an icon. Because if you think about Kyle's career, right, one of the funniest things about Kyle is that the Raptors, back when they acquired him in 2012, their plan A was to go out and sign Steve Nash, who I think was 39 at the time. I love Steve Nash. He, you know, one of my favorite players of all time. You know, one of the main reasons I started watching basketball and fell in love with watching basketball was the Steve Nash Suns. Uh, you know, as anyone who watched those teams can attest, that was an amazing team. But it was a 39-year-old Steve Nash, and the Raptors are offering all this money. And now Steve, you know, instead he decides to take the Lakers' money uh, and, and form the, the quote-unquote super team out in L.A., and you know, um, you know, it, it, it was he wanted to be closer to family, and his family was in Phoenix, and they were dealing with some family issues at the time that required him to be close. So whatever, but you know, Steve Nash was the plan A, and Kyle Lowry was the fallback option, and the Raptors trade a first round pick for Kyle Lowry, um, you know, and you know at the time Kyle was wearing number three. At the time Kyle was coming off the bench for Jose Calderon, not all the time, but you know definitely spent a significant amount of time coming off the bench behind Jose Calderon, and it was you know it was one of those things where it's just like, why did we just trade a first round pick for another point guard to come off the bench behind Kyle Lowry? Like so many point guards, TJ Four, Jared Jack, um, you know, it just there's a long string of, of guys who would just come off the bench for Jose Calderon. Um, and it seems strange that the Raptors trade a first-round pick to get on their guy, but little did they know Kyle, um, you know, persevered. He stuck through that first season, second season, 2013-14, Masai J takes over. He's about to rebuild the team. He trades Rudy Gay. He trades Andre Marnani. He had a trade in place to trade Kyle Lowry to the Knicks. But the Knicks got cold feet. James Dolan got cold feet. Uh, didn't want to get burned by Masai again, even though this time was actually a good deal. He, he says no to the deal. Kyle Lowry stays, despite the fact that he had his bags packed. And Kyle and Demar basically have this conversation. They're like, "Yo, f it. We're about to be. They're about to blow this team up. Let's make the most of it." And look what they do. Kyle and Demar together turn the Raptors around. The second half of that season uh, of that 2013-14 season, especially after that Rudy Gay trade, is still one of my favorite stretches. Um, you know, just from the team as a whole. Just watching that regular season, watching them w- learn how to win games, watching them make un- improbable wins, like that first game that Rudy got traded, it was in L.A. That was Kobe's first game back from his Achilles injury. And, you know, the Raptors pulled that on, the, to pull that off. You know, Amir Johnson was great in that one. Kyle Lowry was great in that one. DeMar was great in that one. And then they just continued to win games. You know, Terrence Ross emerges. It's that famous duel between Paul George and, and, and Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross hitting six threes. And that team somehow wins 48 games. That, at the time, was a franchise record. They won a division banner. They made the playoffs. They went to game seven. It was huge. And, you know... Kyle Lowry gets his first big deal of his career, um, goes through a bunch of heartbreak and injuries. You know, he, he completely shapes, reshapes his body. He comes back the next year. He's svelte, all those pictures in the summertime. He, and then, you know, he has his best career, you know, uh, his career to that date, 2015, 2016. I think that was the year he made All-NBA as well. Deserved to, and he had that famous, you know, forty-one point game against Curry. Curry, of course, that year had was just nuts, and he had forty-four, and he he made some crazy shots. But you know, the Raptors that year, because Kyle Lowry reshaped his body, um, you know, the Raptors win fifty-nine games uh, or, or fifty-six games. 
Um, you know, they go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Kyle Lowry with that Game 7 performance against the Heat was not a great playoffs overall for Kyle. Definitely lots of ups and downs. But that Game 7 against the Heat was just a, such a memorable performance. And then you look at it, he, you know, he, he's, he, he, you know, 16-17, he gets hurt. Uh, he, you know, he explores his options in free agency, you know, after the Raptors get swept by Cleveland. He ultimately decides to stay, but he talked about how much, you know, he, he would have liked to join San Antonio, for example. But he stays. Uh, he signs, the, you know, a, a massive deal in Toronto. I, still, I think that is still the biggest deal anyone has signed in Toronto on an annual basis-wise. Uh, but then Kyle sticks around, reshapes his game again in that 2017-2018 season. The Raptors win 59 games. You know, Kyle Lowry becomes more of a distributor. Um, they play more team basketball, and then they still get swept. And, you know, it's just such a big heartbreak moment. But even in that game three, when the Raptors nearly had a chance to beat the Cavs before LeBron hit that, you know, game winner, it was Kyle leading that comeback charge. It was Kyle. It was Kyle doing it. And, um, you know, uh, he goes through that whole situation, you know, very awkward situation with DeMar getting traded for Kawhi. But Kyle Lowry, you know, swallows his pride. And he makes it work. He's a team player. He has a heart-to-heart with Messiah Jerry in the midway through the season. He buys in, and look what happens. He wins the NBA championship. You know, he gets his name chanted, uh, you know, at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals at Game 6 when the Raptors are going to win the game. Lowry's getting his name chanted in the postgame by the fans and now he's cemented as a franchise icon he's now the franchise leader in their assists he signs another extension and uh, he's still at the prime of his career and i'm just so happy you know what i mean like if you cannot be a fan of the raptors without being you know a huge fan of kyle Lowry. he more than anything else has embodied the winning culture of this franchise um and so many games when when the raptors could have just thrown the towel and they're like, ah, it's a schedule loss. I can have the back-to-back, whatever, road trip, blah, 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 blah. First game back, what all this other bullshit. Kyle Lowry just makes you win every single game. And that's what I mean by Kyle Lowry is the greatest player in franchise history because, to me, what's great is when you win. And Kyle Lowry has impacted more winning in Toronto than any other player in Toronto, period. There have been better players than Kyle Lowry. There's been, you know, I would say, you know, Vince was a better player than Kyle Lowry. I would say um, Kawhi was a better player than Kyle Lowry. I would say even at points Chris Bosh as a, just a pure basketball player Talent-wise, was much better than Kyle Lowry in terms of just talent. But still, who is impacted winning? No one comes close to Kyle. No one does. No one does. And um, the longevity continues. Like today, he gets the assist, the 10th assist, which is what he needed. He finished with 11. But his 10th assist came on throwing a lob pass to Terrence Davis in transition. Terrence caught it, came down with it, secured it, went up strong, finished it for the layup. And... um, yeah, you know, you should have just seen the reaction on the bench. Like, first off, everyone on the bench knew what was going on. Um, it wasn't announced in the arena at that point, but the bench definitely knew what was going on. Everyone was just standing around, like, just off their feet. Everyone, No one was sitting on the bench. Everyone was just cheering. You know, uh, Pascal Siakam and uh, Fred Van Bleeder, they're doing jumping jacks in, in, in just sheer, you know, jubilation. Kyle stays in the game because he was, at that point, you know, one point and two points, two rebounds shy of a triple-double. Doesn't end up getting those two rebounds because the Hawks make a couple of threes there, and Kyle runs out of time. He has to check out. But, you know, they, they mob him. It was a great celebration. Um, a couple of minutes later, Herbie is given, you know, confirmation that Kyle Lowry is indeed the franchise leader in assists. He gets recognized on the Jumbotron. The fans cheer and chant his name, and, and get, he gets a standing ovation. Uh, it's just an amazing time for Kyle, you know, and um, I'm just so happy for him. His 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 old – the whole arc of the Raptors in terms of where they were as a franchise that nobody cared about, as a franchise that everyone left, as a franchise that no one took seriously, to where they are now as literally defending champions who lost Kawhi Leonard, the Finals MVP, and they're still second in the Eastern Conference on an eight-game winning streak. You know, that's that's 
that that whole arc is the arc of Kyle Lowry as a player in his career. Um, it, and it's it's been so much fun to watch him, and I'm so happy for him. And his teammates are so happy for him. And it just says how much you know. Um, the guys are, are are thrilled and and are happy to be with uh, a guy like Kyle as as the leader for this team. And you know, honestly, all you, all you got to say about Kyle is the fact that he was a plus thirty two in thirty three minutes. Man, that's that's what Kyle does. He drives winning. And um, yeah, I was really happy to see that moment. I mean, as as for the game itself, it doesn't matter that much. You know, I should really tell you that. Um, you know, the the significant moments from this one are the fact that. Marcus Saul came out of the game early in the third quarter there, checked himself out of the game, went straight to the locker room um, after he experienced some tightness in his hamstring. It's the same left hamstring that uh, sidelined him for a month last year. So if we're not really sure what the exact injury is or the extent of it um, because Nick Nurse didn't really give a post-game update on him. But, you know, there are going to be tests for Gasol tomorrow. There's going to be tests for OJ Anobi as well because apparently he strained his shoulder on a closeout uh, in the fourth quarter there, just a regular knock he was played, but it seemed like he was holding the shoulder, and he checked out of the game once straight to the locker room as well. So uh, we'll see. Again, both plays, very innocent plays. Uh, it's, and it, to me, it's a little worrisome that Mark, who has had his minutes managed all year, he hasn't really played that much, um, has now aggravated the same hamstring on just completely regular basketball activities. Uh, hopefully it's something that won't necessarily require more time because the Raptors really do need Mark in the lineup. And uh, he's such a big piece of the team. But, of course, you know, you got to prioritize health, especially in February. You want Mark to be good and ready and healthy for the stretch run like he was last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it was just this is a chill game. You know, Serge Ibaka, uh, he's an incredible luxury to have when Mark goes down. Uh, I mean, Serge is a great player regardless. But especially in the moments where Mark goes down and Kyle gets – or and uh, Serge gets to be that main focal point in the offense, you know, it's it's funny because Serge and Mark are such different players, and yet they're both very effective in their own ways. I think Serge is definitely much more direct with the way he scores, the way he contributes. Um, he blocks shots. He goes hard to the rim. He dives. He shoots. He finishes. Um, he looks for his offense, whereas Mark obviously is more of a facilitator, uh, more of a smooth passer, more of a guy who screens and sort of facilitates and helps other people score. Uh, but it works, man, because look look at Serge today. I mean, sometimes the direct approach is good. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals in 27 minutes, a 9 of 14 shooting from off the bench. I mean, he fit all his two-pointers. All five of his misses were from three. Got to the free throw line six times as well. You know, amazing production. Serge, and he, Serge played a lot of minutes in the second half, especially with Mark going down. Serge is, you know, just a guy you can count on all the time. And, you know... Um, uh, because of the injury, you know, Chris Boucher got some time, which is nice. Boucher has been out of the rotation, basically, uh, with Gasol and Serge out, uh, or, uh, you know, healthy. Uh, Boucher is a guy who, I, I do feel like there's opportunities to get him minutes playing power forward alongside of Ibaka or Gasol when those guys are healthy. I don't think he needs to out the rotation entirely. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like Nick is likes Rondé a little bit better. Personally, I think Boucher has just a higher ceiling in terms of how he can impact the game because he come in, he can really make plays. Like, you know, he got three offensive rebounds in 13 minutes, you know, um, create second chances. You know, he's a guy who can actually go hard to the rim and dunk and roll to the rim. You know, as you notice, Mark is not a guy who rolls to the rim much. Sarge is not a guy who rolls to the rim. He's more of a popper. Chris Boucher will really go to the rim and, and, and dunk that ball. And it's just... You know, the, the kind of hustle and all energy for Boucher, it, you know, maybe he's not as fundamentally sound. He's not nearly as fundamentally sound as Serge or Mark, but 
Um, Boucher's energy is something that, especially in February one or in January when teams aren't playing that hard, you know, it really stands up and it's really appreciated. I thought Boucher made the most of his opportunity, and uh, you know, it was just it was a cool game altogether. You know, in terms of your KC play of the game, and as a reminder. Um, the Raptors Over Everything podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Because you're a fan of buckets, then you're a fan of KFC. Order yours at kfc.ca and get it before a tip-off. The KFC bucket of the game, for me, obviously, uh, I mean, first off, this game didn't have that many impressive buckets. Like, uh, you can go with, I don't know, like, Marcus Gasol uh, spinning by his defender and going in for a one-handed jam, I guess, if you want to. It was definitely maybe the most memorable play. But for me, I got to go with the play that got Kyle Lowry the official record in terms of the um, franchise leader and assists. Kyle Lowry throws a lob to Terrence Davis in transition. Terrence collects it, goes up for the layup, uh, and finishes it. Guarantees that Kyle Lowry is now and forever. Well, maybe not forever. We'll see. It would take a long time for someone to catch Kyle Lowry. It really would. But um, Kyle Lowry is now officially the franchise leader in assists and literally there's no one else I could be. I could see, um, you know, I, that I that would I would rather see have that that title because Kyle Lowry just defines this whole era of, of of the Raptors and it's the most successful era in Raptors basketball. So, yeah, that does it for the podcast. Look, listen, um, you know, it was not that exciting of a game. I, I got I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, in terms of how the game went and stuff like that, whatever they they did a pretty good job pressuring Trey Young. Ran out with a three point line, uh, took away his. Um, his, you know, his easy looks around the basket. Kyle, and Trey, you know, he's known how to draw contact. He's clever with that. And he did find his uh, shooters, 13 assists. And if the Hawks made more threes, he'd have maybe close to 20. But uh, still, they did a good job defensively against Trey. In terms of your three stars, first star for me goes to, I, I mean, I, I mean, why not? Kyle Lowry, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, a steal, plus 32 in 33 minutes is very impressive. Uh, obviously, you know, getting the record as well is great. Serge is my second star, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists in 27 minutes, 9 of 14 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 4 of 6 from the free throw line. And then you could easily give the third star to Pascal Siakam, who had 24 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, a block. To be honest, the Hawks just have nobody around the basket who can guard him, so Pascal can really just get inside whenever he wants to. Uh, but, you know, I want to take this opportunity to shout out Terrence Davis, who had a nice game off the bench. So 15 points on 5 of 9 shooting with 1 of 4 from th- uh, 3. And 4-4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds and assists. Really active in his minutes off the bench uh, for Terrence Davis. So he gets my third star. And in terms of your John Henderson Award, that's got to go to... Uh, you know what? I'm not giving it to John Collins. Uh, because, you know, the minus 31 is just too much. I can't overlook that. So I'm going to give that instead to uh, DeAndre Hunter. 15 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. I think he's the only guy on the Hawks that actually plays defense. Um, he's surprisingly polished for a guy who's mostly billed as a three and D guy. Uh, he could definitely get, I mean, he's a lottery pick, so he should be polished, but, um, yeah, he showed me a little bit of craft. He can play, make a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely better than Cam Reddish who had 18 points, but played so, so little defense. It was almost funny to watch, but, uh, yeah, Deandre Hunter, I, I guess 15, six and four, that gets you Gerald Henderson. And that does for the podcast, really. Uh, again, congratulations to Kyle Lowry. Oh, actually, one thing I want to mention before I go. The Raptors did uh, a lot to honor uh, and remember Kobe Bryant. You know, before the game, like we're talking about 7 o'clock for the 7.30 tip, they played uh, Kobe's uh, Oscar-winning short, uh, Dear Basketball, on the big screen here on the Jumbotron. It was really emotional watching that because it, a lot of that narrative focuses on how much he loved the game and him saying goodbye to the game and, and – you know, especially in the wake of what happened, um, hearing Kobe say goodbye is just 
it, it's again mind numbing that he somehow him and his thirteen year old daughter are not living anymore. That that just does not seem to be something that I, it's it's uh, you know just something that comp- is comprehensible to be honest. Um, but the Raptors also showed a tribute video for Kobe before the game. They observed a twenty four second. Um, uh, 24 seconds of silence for Kobe. They actually showed a, a countdown on the Jumbotron. And, you know, it started with 24 being highlighted, and then 23, 22, and then it went down to 8, 8 being highlighted as well. And then number 2 got highlighted as well, which is really cool because that's the number his daughter wore. Um, you know, I thought that was a really nice gesture for the Raptors. The fans chanted Kobe. There was an ovation. A lot of Kobe jerseys around the, the arena. Um, you could definitely um, see how much he meant even to a city like Toronto, which honestly Kobe just largely tormented, uh, he hit three game winners against the Raptors, and, and you know I, I talked more about Kobe's uh, history tie-ins with uh, with the with with Toronto um, earlier today on the podcast with Joseph Cacharo. You could look for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean you know it was just lots of tributes from the players. Um, you know players had you know various messages written on their shoes. You know Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, <laughs> just lots of guys. Norman Powell. Um, Trey Young had, you know, 24 and 8 inscribed on his Adidas shoes as well. Uh, it was just, you know, obviously he's, he's, a, le- he's a legendary man. And, um, you know, I thought one thing that was really underrated was that the Raptors highlighted the numbers. Like they changed the color of the numbers on the scoreboard when uh, the scoreboard hit 81. And if you think about it, like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to celebrate someone going 81 on you. But, I mean, come on. Uh, I think you have to celebrate that kind of history. And, you know, 81 was highlighted. I thought that was a small, very small gesture that, um, that you know, spoke a lot about uh, sort of the Raptors' level of detail and the way they thought about, you know, how they were going to conduct this thing. And they also played uh, Kobe's, uh, I would say, hit single? I don't know. But, uh, he, he, you know, Kobe was a rapper when he was younger. And uh, he had a song with Tyra Banks called K.O.B.E. And they played that during uh, one of the breaks, which I think fit in well because it was also a throwback night. Uh, obviously, you can go back to, uh, you know, yeah, I guess uh, simpler times. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it was, you know, one of those things where, I don't know. He's it, There's going to be so many more tributes in the coming days. Um, you know, there's a tribute outside of Scotiabank uh, where fans, you know, gathered and sort of uh, put flowers and, and, and a memorial for Kobe. So, there's gonna be a lot more of that in the coming days, and uh, yeah, you know, he, the rap, the game lost uh, an icon, the, the game of basketball lost an icon, so it's it's gonna take some time. But uh, as for the Raptors, they won eight straight. Uh, they're on a roll again. Nick Nurse, very good chance that he coaches the All Star game. The Raptors got to take care of business in the next uh, three games coming up this weekend to get two wins. He's in, so uh, hopefully they get all three, but at least they get the two. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to KFC for sponsoring the podcast. And I'll be back uh, on Thursday when the Raptors play again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.